Can anything good come from Nazareth? Ever feel small, unimportant, or feel like you can't be used to make an impact? Well, you're in the right place. I'm Mallory. And I'm Holly. And welcome to Small Town Big Kingdom. We believe even small people from small places can be used for His big kingdom. So come and join two friends as we navigate how to be used in this world while trying to grow deeper, more intimate relationships with Christ and those around us. Through open and honest conversations about real-life struggles, we hope to dive deeper into His Word and how we can apply it to the small places and spaces of our lives. So click subscribe and join us as we chat with Bibles open and coffee in hand. Hi, welcome back to Small Town Big Kingdom. We are in week three of discussing the dreaded S word. So if you're just joining us, um, I'd suggest that you go back to one or both of the first two um, just to catch up on where we are on the word submission, if you were guessing what that S word is. Um, And we are so blessed and lucky that today we have with us our favorite Bible study buddy, Billy Stevens. He is our pastor here at Osceola Baptist Church, and he is here to answer all of our questions from a biblical theological standpoint on the word submission and the role that it plays in the life of a Christian in both wives and husbands. So we're going to use some of the questions that you guys sent in to us today and get going. So Mallory's going to read some of the questions off and we'll get started. Hey, everybody. Welcome back. Hope everyone had a good week. Like Holly said, we're here with Billy and we're going to ask him a few questions. So the first question is, what does submission mean in this exact verse? Well, thanks for having me on. Um, Holly and Mallory, I want to thank you both for how you guys just listen to God and have a heart for God and have a heart for other people. And because of what God's doing in your life, you're allowing God to use the overflow of what you're experiencing to be a blessing and a benefit for other people. And so thank you for doing the podcast. Um, and I'm, I'm thankful for you uh, inviting me to be on for such a difficult discussion. Um, Ephesians chapter 5 is, is a really interesting passage, and it's difficult for us in our culture today because, honestly, I really feel like our culture has hijacked that word to make it mean something that it really doesn't. So before I answer the question, what does the word submission really mean in Ephesians 5, I really want to spend a couple of minutes just talking about what the word submission doesn't mean in Ephesians 5, because I think that's just as important as what it does mean. So, first of all, here's what the word submission does not mean. Number one, it does not mean that a woman is unequal. There's two words that I want us to think about when we think of the word wife and submission in response to that word. Um, Wife is a role and a function. 
Now, a role in a function does not negate equality. Submission and serving do not negate equality. I love, uh, there's a, a guy named Horst Schultz. He started um, the hotel chain Ritz-Carlton. And here's what Horst Schultz talks about in one of his books that he wrote. When they train their bellboys um, and their servants, their their maids, the, the people who work in the service part of the hotel chain, one of the things that they do is, is they want to make sure that these people understand that they are still valuable because they're serving. So one of the things that he teaches them is he says that we are ladies and gentlemen serving ladies and gentlemen. It's important for him and his hotel chain that as he trains these people, that they see themselves as equal, not less. And so he teaches them, we are ladies and gentlemen serving ladies and gentlemen. In John chapter 13, we see a very interesting picture of what it means to serve or maybe even to submit in, in the sense of lowering yourself. And I don't even want to say lowering yourself. That's not even the right terminology. Just placing yourself in a position and carrying out your role and function. So let me, let me give you the example. In John 13, Jesus strips down into a servant's attire and we see him wash the disciples' feet. In that moment, was Jesus suddenly less God? No. What he was doing is he was carrying out a role as teacher, as rabbi, and he was serving. But in his serving status, he was no way diminished. His, his value, his Godhead, was in no way diminished. He was still God. Go to John 1.1. 1, 1. In, in John 1.1, 1, 1, it says, In the beginning was the Word. The Word is Jesus. So in the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. Then if you jump down to John chapter 1, verse 14, it says, And the Word became flesh. So Jesus comes as God in the flesh to earth. Now fast forward to the Garden of Gethsemane. So remember, Jesus and God are equal. He was the Word. Uh, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And then he becomes flesh, so it's God in the flesh, in the Garden of Gethsemane, right before he's about to be crucified. And what is Jesus doing? Jesus is praying. Well, what does Jesus pray? He says, not my will be done, but yours. So again, Jesus and Father, were they, were they ever unequal? No, there, there was never a point that they were unequal, but Jesus submitted his will to the Father. So again, role and function being different does not mean that men and women are unequal. Men and women are equal. The husband and wife are equal. They just have different roles to play. Paul says it this way, speaking of um, you know, people seeing men or women as unequal or husbands and wives as unequal, or, or maybe to frame it another way, for people that try to see it as the husband being superior to the wife. Paul says it this way in Galatians 3.28. He says, There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is neither male nor female. For you are all one in Christ. All of those things he's mentioned in this passage, the Jew and the Greek, the slave and free, the male and female, all those things he mentioned in the passage we're all very polarizing roles in society in Paul's day. And Paul says that there is only one type of person in Christ. We are all, are we the same? No, but are we equal? 
Absolutely. The second thing that it does not mean, it does not mean that the wife must always agree with her husband. In Acts chapter 5, Peter and the rest of the apostles had been arrested for sharing the gospel. They were told that they must stop sharing the gospel. Now they have a choice, obey Jesus or obey the authorities. And here's what it says, or here's what we find the response is in Acts chapter 5. Verse 27 through 29, here's what it says. It says, when they had brought them, meaning the, the apostles, when they had brought them, they set them before the council, and the high priest questioned them. And here's what the high priest, so an authority figure in the nation of Israel, the high priest questioned them in verse 28 of Acts chapter 5. He says, we strictly charge you not to teach in this name, meaning in the name of Jesus. Yet here you have filled Jerusalem with your teaching, and you indeed, or, or you intend to bring this man's blood upon us. But Peter and the apostles answered, we must obey God rather than men. So on one hand, you see a passage of scripture where Paul teaches clearly that you are to submit yourselves to authorities. Yet we also see in scripture a place where an authority figure is telling the apostles not to preach the name of Jesus. And then when he's they're called back about it because even though they had been instructed to, they still taught the name of Jesus. The apostles say, we must obey God rather than men. So, again, the second thing that submission does not mean is that a wife should always agree with her husband. Our first love and our first obligation is always to Jesus. So if your spouse is leading you to a place to do something contrary to the word of God, your first obligation is is always to Jesus. So again, it doesn't mean that you should always agree with your husband. Third thing that it doesn't mean is that the wife should not have influence over her husband. In 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 1, there's a nice struggle. <laughs> in 1 Peter 3, 1, it says, Likewise, wives, be subject, so there's that word submit again, be subject to your own husbands. Notice it says your own husbands, not everybody else's husbands. So nobody, no other man should have authority over you. It's your own husband. Um, so even so that even if some do not obey the word, in other words, so if, if there's a husband who's not obeying the word, he says they may be won without a word by the conduct of their wives. You know what that is? That's influence. So a godly wife can still have influence over her husband. Just because, um, so the word submit does not mean that you don't have influence over your husband. And the fourth thing that influence or submission, let me say that, does not mean, it does not mean that the wife should live in fear of her husband. 1 John 4, 18 says this, There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. For fear has to do with punishment, and whoever fears has not been perfected in love. So it doesn't mean that you should live in fear of your husband. So being submissive, for instance, sometimes people... Um, have misunderstood this to mean that, well, if my husband's, you know, if I'm, if I'm in an abusive relationship and my husband's abusing me, whether it's physically or verbally, that that's okay. That's not okay. Um, there should be no fear in love. And going back to um, the, the verse you read that follows about how wives are to treat, or husbands are to treat their wives, it says, husbands love your wives as Christ loved the church. And I think, I, I think that when a husband is living out his role biblically, I think it, it becomes a little bit easier to, um, from a from a role and a positional standpoint, to 
submit, and again, we've talked a lot about what submit does not mean. Mm -hmm. So, so what is submission? Um, here's how John Piper um, he he says it this way. He said submission is defined is the defined calling of a wife to honor and affirm her husband's leadership and so help to carry it out um, through and according to her gifts. So a, a wife has gifts, a wife brings something to the relationship, a man brings something to the relationship. And I think, again, I think submission or wife submit to your husband's it's it's the willing, just as we saw with Jesus and the Father, it's the willing submission to go, all right, I, I'm going to, I have a role to fulfill, you have a role to fulfill. But we have to be careful that all of the roles are working in harmony, they're working together, because when one's not working properly, the other one is is going to struggle to work properly as well. And marriage in itself is a submission competition. I think that I think that husbands are submitting to their wives in the sense that I am willing to submit my wants, my desires, in order to love my wife like Christ loved the church. Well, how did Christ love the church? He loved the church by dying for it. And so, again, if you're willing to die for something, then you're willing to submit your will and your desires and your wants to the benefit of someone else. So when a husband is willingly sacrificing his own wills and desires for the benefit of something else, I think it becomes a lot easier in that moment for a woman to go, I will follow your leadership. Okay, so what would your, what would, if a woman came into your office and said, I am, you know, you knew you saw her walk, you knew she was a Christian, you knew that she was a follower, what, but that her husband was not, so you said, you know, those roles need to be equal. What would your advice what would your advice be for that? Or even not necessarily, okay, and I'm not saying that they're married to somebody who's not a Christian, but maybe they're not on the same level in their Christian walk. Like maybe the husband is more of an infant Christian and the wife is a six year old granny Christian. <laughs> what what would you say to that? Well, I think again I think First Peter, he just First Peter three one. He just talks about that a husband may be won by the conduct of their wives. So I think that I think that when people live their life in a way um, that is attractive. So you you live your life in a way where you're honoring God and you're you're living for Jesus and your your conduct is one that even though a husband may not agree with the path that the wife is taking in her pursuit of Jesus, I still think there's something that is attractive about a life following Jesus. That you can, you know, a, a person who is who can love when love isn't deserved. A person that can love their neighbor as themselves. A person that can be sacrificial when sacrifice isn't easy. A person that is giving, a person that's loving, a person that's caring. Basically a person who's living like Jesus lived. I think there's something that's attractive about that. And I think it, I think it ultimately it lends us or, or lets us end up in a place where we're asking questions like, how can she continue to be so kind when maybe I haven't been? And so in the waiting of that for the wife, or if it's opposite mm -hmm. for the husband... 
you're just going to have to be in constant prayer about your attitude and your well, like, she making sure you're showing your husband grace even when it may not be deserved. Or and remembering and reminding that Christ shows us the same, like, right. the same love that he offers us just, in grace. That was, we're supposed to be offering them. It's, it's not easy, right? Yeah. I mean, it's just not easy. And there, there, even if you have the most perfect marriage, we are two individual, selfish people coming together, living in one house, both full of wants and desires that at times will conflict with one another. And I think it comes down to when those, when your wants and desires are in conflict, then it becomes the submission competition. Am, am I as a husband so selfish that I'm going to insist on my way? Or am I going to love my wife like Christ loved the church and go, this is what I would like to do, but nevertheless not my will be done, but yours. Am I willing to do that? And I think it, I think it works both ways. And I, again, I think when, if we think about Jesus and going back to the image of Jesus in the upper room with the disciples, he, he takes on the form of a servant. He serves the disciples. He demonstrates love. He tells them later that by this all people will know that you're my disciples if you have love for one another. I think, I think Jesus even in that moment modeling what love looks like for his disciples. That when they walked in, they didn't wash Jesus' feet. But so Jesus could have said, "Well, you know, guys, I'm, clean my feet because yeah, you're supposed to submit feet. to I'm, me. I'm, yeah. I'm God. You, yeah. you, you're supposed to. You understand who I am. Why have you not?" And I kind of had like a light bulb moment when you said that while I go, because I've never heard you, I've never heard you associate that story with submission. So out of all the times that we've talked about it. Yeah, out of all the times that, and we've talked about it a lot, but I've never thought about how Jesus submitted to God the Father. I mean, he went to him in all things. He submitted to his way. Even going to the cross was a submission on his part to die so really I mean he was just as equal as God and the Holy Spirit but he still had to submit in certain roles and so I think that is a good reflection of like husbands and wives and Christ are together in a marriage and they're equally important but sometimes one has to submit to the other's direction so yeah that was why haven't you said that before I mean, I wouldn't struggle with this for a year. Yeah, you would. Yeah. <laughs> well, and I think the struggle is, honestly, if I'm being honest, I've realized it's just pride and it's ugly well, roots I think, I think of we, I think self. we all have that, right? But I, yeah. I, I do think that part of the, I think that part of that struggle for women and for men, um, but since we're talking about submission in that particular verse in Ephesians 5, I think the reason that so many women struggle with it is that word has been so abused that it's been used as a trump card in a relationship. Yes. That you're supposed to do what I say according to the Bible. That's not necessarily what it means. Which is why I've said before, I, I kind of, if he wanted to say submit, which I wish, wish he'd used a different word, but maybe if he'd have put the man's role first, because a lot of times the men read the passage and they read the women's part and they <laughs> yeah. stop. Yeah. And they don't go any further. They're like, this is what you're supposed to be doing to make us want to submit to you. Yeah, and listen, you know, even, again, there's a lot of words in Scripture that we don't like, and even in that particular case, we don't even like the order in which he placed it. 
But there's a reason, you know, for everything in Scripture, and there's even a reason for the order in Scripture. I just feel like if if marriages were, if we pictured marriage, like if you had a physical bank or a jar or whatever, if you could imagine um, submission as willingly placing currency into the jar, that when... When I feel like there's a moment where I need to love my wife and serve my wife and submit to my wife, to love my wife like Christ loved the church, that in the moment that I don't want to, whether I feel like, sometimes we use that word deserve, well, they don't deserve for me to treat them that way. They haven't been kind to me. They haven't been nice to me. It doesn't matter. He, he, he says, love your wife like Christ loved the church. Well, if we're gonna if we're gonna use the deserve narrative, well, what do we all deserve? We certainly didn't deserve for God to send His Son to die in our place. We certainly didn't deserve grace. It's by definition, grace is unmerited favor. So if 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 we're constantly trying to serve our wife, and I'm trying to put currency, if you will, into this uh-huh. relationship jar, on the bad days you have something to pull from, right? Like if okay, when I blow it. I've got some currency in there that I can I can withdraw if I have to. The problem is is that most couples spend so much time taking from one another. The relationship currency jar is empty, and when something bad happens, they go bankrupt. It's if we're constantly trying to serve one another, I, I think that life just goes a lot easier. I think marriages are a lot healthier. Doesn't mean you're going to get it right every time, and it doesn't mean that it's always going to be perfect. But see, I think that that's what submission is. I think submission is willingly placing ourselves in the form of a servant at the foot of our spouse so that we can build them up, so that we can encourage them and love them. One time he told us it was like it should be a competition Mm. where, and not a competition in a bad way, but a competition where you are trying to outserve your spouse. If we were if we were focused on outserving each other, right. there would probably the issues would be minimal. But instead, we don't focus on that. We focus on what we're what they're deserving of. And that's again, you know, that's sort of the the American way. What we we want what we deserve. And I don't think that in the context of our relationship with Jesus. I don't really think any of us want what we deserve. No. And so then can we can we love like Jesus? Can we willingly, as so as the husband, can I lay my life down in order to love my wife appropriately? And then as the, the wife, when Paul talks about submitting, am I willing to submit myself? We're equal. It doesn't mean that the man is superior to the woman. We're equal, but in the same way that Jesus submitted to the Father, in order that the will of God might be accomplished, is the wife willing to submit herself spiritually to her husband that the will of God might be accomplished? And mm-hmm. and look, again, I I agree with you. This the word submit um, is a yes. tough word. But it's not it's not wrong from scripture standpoint. It's wrong in how we've hijacked the definition of it. Yeah. How sin has turned it into something what it exactly. that it wasn't meant to be. Exactly. Okay. Um, based on scripture, what would a husband worthy of submission look like? Hmm. 
Besides yourself, of course. Besides <laughs> look, I do not get it right. Um, I think that, I think that, um, I, I think it's just love. You know? I mean, if we... Well, it should ultimately look like Christ, right? It should. I mean, it should look like, I mean, God is love. Husbands, love your wives like Christ loved the church, which is sacrificially. I think our, our um, is the husband leading spiritually? Is he taking his responsibility to pursue Jesus himself? His relationship with Jesus has to be close. His relationship with Jesus must be one where he's willing, he's willing to submit himself to the authority of Christ. If he's submitting himself to the authority of Christ and living his role out biblically, then I think the discussion about wives submitting to your husbands becomes a much easier one in oh, that context. Yeah. And so, again, I think I've shared this with you before. I've never had, in marriage counseling, I've never had a couple come in my office and sit down and say, um, we need some counseling. And me turn around and say, okay, well, what's the issue? He won't quit serving. He, he just won't stop serving me. Or she won't stop serving me. <laughs> Never had that happen. So They're if, out serving me. Yeah, so if, if, if husbands are willing to serve their wives, and, and what does that look like? I think well, husbands think that it looks a certain way. I think, I think the, one of the problems in today's culture is that husbands think that is a certain thing, but in reality, it's not that. Like, we talked about this. Like, if my husband were to walk in my house and say, sit down on the couch, I want to pray over you. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. you got me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, and For that, 50 more years. Right. Yeah. Well, and I think that, um, I think, I think for a lot of us, is, um, again, I, I think so many of the roles in in how we live our life has been hijacked by culture. Oh, yeah. No one would read no one would sit down and read the Bible and say, "Oh, well this is what biblical manhood looks like." Uh, in, in other words, you wouldn't read the Bible and point to the Americanized version of manhood and go, "Well, the Americanized version of manhood compares uh, spot on with what I've read in scripture." Yeah. You wouldn't read that. And so I think that it, it really for us and this is kind of a I think for men Go pick your Bible up and read it and then do what it says, right? And then I would think that, um, I don't know, guys, if, I don't know if guys listen to this podcast, but guys... Wives, share it with your husband. You just heard a woman say, pray, if my husband's praying over me, you know, 50 more years. And, and I mean, maybe the hottest thing on the planet for a wife might be to see her husband sitting in the recliner with a Bible over Oh, that is. is definitely... It is. it is not to walk in with blood on you shoot from shooting a deer. <laughs> yeah. It's going to be straight up honest. Well, and I think, you know, that's from us now, where we are. So Yeah, when I was 20 years old. Yeah. Oh my gosh, you shot a deer. That's so cool. Yeah. But I, in reality, I probably didn't really think it was that cool. Just trying to... I think that... <laughs> I think the importance, too, is, you know, I'm learning now, and I think I've said this in one earlier, like, I used to think if my daughters dated an athlete, it would be fantastic. Or if they married a doctor. And now it's like, I could care less about any of that stuff. I mean, if they marry a God-fearing Christian boy that I know is going to follow Christ and then love them, I mean, yeah. what else could I look for? Right. And the same thing with my boys. You know, I pray that they find a godly woman that they can marry, because... 
it, there's a reason that the Bible tells us not to be unequally yoked with unbelievers. And the reason is, is because you're operating from two worldviews. Mm, you're just two different books. Yeah. The, so how does the world say that marriages should look? And you probably can't nail down from what the world says. You probably can't nail down one definition. There's probably 20. And so then people go, okay, well, which one are we going to operate by? And if you just go to the scriptures, the scriptures tell you this is how marriage works. This is how men and women are to react with one another in the context of marriage. And I, I just believe that if we live our marriages out the way the Bible says, I think marriage goes pretty well. And that's what we want for our children. That's what we want yes. for our young girls. That's what we want for our young boys, that they would have healthy marriages. No one goes into a marriage. No one stands at the altar and says, you know, till five years do us part. Right? We, we go like, we want this thing to be forever. Yeah. And I think that the, there is a way for that to happen. Um, marriage, five, the first five years of marriage should be a test drive to see if you actually like the person. Right. It, it yeah. should be a commitment. That, but I mean, that's what it is now. That's what it's turned into, you know. And Divorce is like just a normal thing now. It is. but I, And I think part of it becomes, I don't even know if this is where we're needing to be going, but part of it I think comes down to, when you're dating, be careful, like, make sure you, make sure you pick out a person that... Not as just good for the moment, but yeah, that you yeah, can... Yeah, not, not just because they're attractive, not just because maybe they've got, they're going to school for the degree that's going to make all the money, I mean, none of those things, you know... Last. They don't, they don't, because you're going to have personal problems, and I think if you can pick somebody who will love you forever... The rest of it? The rest, yeah. Well, and I think one of the questions that we have, so what would you say to someone who, let's say, came to the faith after they got married, or they they joined, they were in a marriage that was unequally yoked? How, do, how does the one spouse help the other spouse get to a place where they are able to live those verses out like they should? Yeah. Like, Well, I think you just said that. Well, I mean... I know, like, one one lady asked, like, how does she help guide her? If she's further along in her faith, how does she help guide him to get him where he needs to be? Yeah. That's really, it's really tough. Um, I, I would say, and I don't, I don't know. I, I would say, number one, how do you, how do you treat him, right? Or if it's a guy, how do you treat her? I think if your if your actions don't match your message, or mm -hmm. if your methods don't match your message, then I think it it, it becomes a, li a lot more difficult for the person to understand the meaning behind the message, and that's really hard. I mean, it's 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 really difficult to love someone appropriately, probably if they don't um, honor you, love you, respect you. If you don't feel that way, it's really hard. But in, it's in that moment that, I mean, what did Jesus say from the cross? Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. He didn't say, well, you all are going to the bad place, right? He, he said, no. I, and he, there was a thief on the cross next to him. Remember me when you enter your kingdom. And he says, surely today you'll be with me in paradise. I, I think that um, if we can learn how to love 
our spouses, even though they don't understand fully maybe why we go to church or why we read our Bibles or why we love Jesus the way we do, it, I just have to trust the word that, and again in First Peter, that they may be one without a word by the conduct of their wives or it may be the same with a husband. I think if you're in a marriage like that too, that's probably one of the most tested areas that you're, that's like where your faith will be tested the most. But that's also where you have to be fully aware that and know that, listen, my spouse is not at the same place as me or they may not even believe in God at all. And so this is the area in my, my walk with Christ that needs to be as perfect as it possibly can and have as much grace as it possibly can because that's that one person is going to be watching you closer than anyone else because they live with you on a daily basis. Mm -hmm. So that's where I think we as wives or as husbands, if it's the opposite, have to be so conscious and aware of every tone we have with them and how, I mean, you know, and if it goes back to worldly, that's not fair because, you know, I here I am living a, good Christian life and they're over there living their best life <laughs> that's not their best life right. and you know I have to put up with all the back you know the backfire of it all but if you get out of that mindset and you think you look at that person as Christ looks at you I think then also it becomes, and I'm not saying that's easy because it's not. I mean, we're human. But if you enter into that relationship and think and look at that relationship from that point of view, I think I, it just becomes a little bit easier because, I mean, none of us deserve the grace that we've gotten. Right. But well, I think, in, I think one, we, we've heard the phrase, and this is sometimes how we feel, well, I can lead the horse to water, but I can't make him drink. Mm -hmm. Well, our job's not to make him drink. Our job's to make him thirsty. Mm -hmm. And if we make him thirsty, they'll drink. So do we live our life in an attractive way That's right. in, in our relationship with Jesus? I think the other thing, too, is that you remember when, so you go back to the, the dating days when you first started dating your spouse. There is nothing in the world that you would not have done for them. Oh, and nothing they did was annoying. Nothing. <laughs> over, time, was over time, right, what happens is our selfishness comes to the surface more. So it becomes less about, man, I'd do anything for her, or I would do anything for him. And it starts turning into this, he does nothing for me, and I do, you know what I mean? <laughs> yep. And, and it just, it, it becomes that. So what if, what if we could get back to that place where love is... Love you were blind it, to all of those things. Yeah, and that's that's love that I would I would lay my life down and do anything for you, and I would completely deny myself in order that I might meet your needs. And then again, over time, just and I again, it's just the selfishness that comes out in us. But I think that's where we go back to Ephesians and and am I willing to submit so that I can love him in such a way that like he sees that. Um, can I, as a husband, love my wife in a way that she sees that, that I'm willing to lay my life down and I'm willing to set all of my needs and wants aside so that, you know, I can love her appropriately. I think that if we did those things, if we were able to do those things, die to ourselves, right? Um, I think that it would make a difference in how we relate to each other. Now, is, does that necessarily mean that's how it's going to happen? 
No, but I think it helps because when we pick fights, that doesn't help, right? It doesn't usually go over well. Um, I heard uh, a friend of mine recently said to me, we were talking about, um, <laughs> we're talking about the theme verse for all the single ladies. <laughs> if anyone would come after me, he must deny himself, right? They go across and follow me. So all, it's like, if you're going to come after me, sucker, you're going to have to deny yourself. But we willingly do that when we're in the dating relationship, in the dating phase. We, we'll, 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 we did things for our spouses when we were dating that we fuss about now. Why? Because when you're in that dating, you blind yourself to anything. You're just like, oh, I love them so much. They're just well, do so you feel awesome. Like that's kind of in comparison to like your walk with Christ. Like in the early stages, a lot of times when you first discover Christ, like you're... You like, want, I want to do everything yeah, for it. You're on fire so for awesome. it. And then it's like the more, actually, like the more you get into it and the more you figure out that you have to deny yourself, that you have to cut or away that it's things. actually a relationship and not just a, hey, can you come into my... Show up on, yeah. yeah, on these particular days, but that you have to cut away things and change yourself and be willing to die to self and mold yourself into what he wants you to be, that you kind of, a lot of people kind of, fall back or like I'm not really willing to do that I'll, I mean I want it but I'm not really willing to Put go effort. all in for it to be what it's supposed to be it's a great point I think I mean think about it when we date what do we do we put our best foot forward we do anything and everything to attract the other person to make sure that I mean we pursue like crazy mm -hmm. right then we're almost a fake version of ourselves. Yeah, <laughs> almost. But I mean, it's like you—you you really. I it's, mean, really. It's, it's the pursuit. It's the pursuit. You pursue the other person, and it's the same. It, uh, Holly, it's a great point. I mean, I think that maybe maybe that's where many of us end up in our relationship with Jesus. He he pursued us from the cross, right? And he he um, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He pursues us, but then we enter into this relationship with him, and we're pursuing him like crazy. But then over time, somewhere along the way, it happens to most, if not all of us, where we get into these just really funky places where life happens, and we quit pursuing Jesus, and then our relationship with Jesus doesn't isn't what it used to be. And then we sort of become, I don't want to say disinterested, but I mean, by our actions, maybe disinterested. And then we disappear from church, we disappear from, and then all of the little things begin mm -hmm. to become problems. And I think it, it's very, Holly, it's a great point. I mean, it's very much the same way with our relationship with our spouse. We pursued, we pursue, we pursue, then we get married and we quit pursuing and then little issues begin to creep in. And so maybe if we treated our relationship with Jesus, if we continue to pursue or began to pursue again, maybe uh, it would lead us to a place where we begin to pursue our spouses in a healthy way that you know, becomes that becomes that piece of the puzzle maybe that we're missing. Yeah, we talked about that last week. Or like, <laughs> if our marriage is supposed to almost be a mirror image of our relationship with Christ, we both have ifs. Yeah, we're not. Doing and I'm not saying like I'm getting divorced or anything like that. I'm just saying I'm not doing my, I'm not doing a great job. Mm. I think sometimes if I'm being completely honest, because that's just me, so I will be. Um, I put my, not put my marriage on the back burner, but like, 
Well, you know you've got it. It's okay. like your salvation. I know I've got it. My I'm not going to lose it. My husband almost gets my leftovers sometimes because it's just like we're both gone all day, and then we get home. We're doing all the things for the kids. We're doing, and then it's just like here's my leftover. You know, yeah. and which, I don't do that for God. Which sadly, it's <laughs> just like our, our relationship with Christ. Our relationship with our spouses are the ones that's going to should last the longest. Mm-hmm. Like our kids are going to come and go out of our homes. You know, our responsibilities in the community or our jobs, mm-hmm. they have a time limit in our day. Our marriage doesn't. Yeah. And our relationship with Christ doesn't. Um, I think we lose, I, I, I'm guilty of that. Yeah. Well, you know, one of the other things, too, is that we hope is that we could model what a healthy marriage looks like for our children. You know, if, am, am I being the kind of husband that I want my kids to be, you know, because am I who I want my sons to marry? Like, am I a version of what I want my son? You know what I mean? Like, yeah. that's what I, that's what enters my mind. And for Lily, like, is Mitch what you know? I don't want them to grow up in this house where our marriage is not good and healthy, and then think that's what it is. Yeah. I mean, anyway. Yeah. Um, I feel like a lot of. Our answers have floated into some of the questions, but I think one maybe we didn't hit on is if women are really expected to be submissive, is it counterproductive to teach them as little girls to be independent? I know that's one thing that a lady reached. You know, she's always been taught her whole life to be independent. You know, nowadays we teach girls to change their own tires and you know like where we live women are hunting and have your own job make your own money be your own person so you don't have to rely on anybody so you don't have to rely on anybody and then we give a girl to her husband and then we say submit which is complete completely opposite in our in, in a woman's mind yeah i get it um so the answer to that question i think is no it's not counterproductive first of all she may not want to get married when she's older. True. So she needs to be independent. She needs to be, and even in a marriage relationship, you still have to be the woman that God created and called you to be. It's just that when you Doesn't enter, mean you become a shadow of your husband. Right. And even the Apostle Paul says it's better to not marry, but it's better to marry than to burn with passion. So if you get married, because maybe you feel like God's put in your heart that, you know what, I want to have a family. I want to have children then you enter into a marriage relationship and in that you're not giving up who you are as a person but you now it's two individuals becoming one couple Mm -hmm. and so now you have a role to play in that just like you can be i mean think of it in the sense of um someone who's self-employed who has their own job they they do their own thing they don't work with anybody they have a role to play if you take that same professional or that same profession and enter into the business world and you say, okay, I'm going to, instead of being self-employed, I'm going to go hire myself out to a company and I'm going to work for a company, you're still who you are, but you still have to play your role within the team. Right. And, and I think it's the same way. I don't think you should lose your um, individual. You're, you're, you're giving up. I think you're giving up some independence by... Getting married, everybody does. I mean, you don't, you no longer, and I, you no longer get to do what you want to do when you want to do it because you are now saying, I'm willingly placing myself 
into a relationship where one of my primary responsibilities is to care for someone else uh-huh. and not just care for myself. So, you're, but you're not giving up your independence. Um, it's just a covenant relationship. You're just entering into a covenant relationship with someone. So I don't, I don't think it's counterproductive to teach that. I think it just comes down to an understanding of what the rules in marriage are. Well, I feel like you covered all the bases. And, I mean, over the last year, I've been doing work on myself, but through through us openly talking about submission and the real meaning in the Scripture from what it means, I know I've come to a place where I don't have such an issue with the word. I mean, I do still wish you to use a different word. But <laughs> I'm okay with the word. I understand what he's calling me to do. Um with this piece of scripture. So um, I'm appreciative that we've had so many discussions about submission. Um, Hopefully the rest of the um, listeners and the ladies of our churches will feel the same way. I know it can be a sticky subject for congregations. And um, yeah, I mean, you know, (laughs) yeah, it's just, it's tough because um, being the guy talking about submission you always picture the women that are listening going, of course he's going to say that. But, <laughs> you know, I, I don't, it's, again, I think the word's been abused, and so I think it, and it's been hijacked by society. And I don't think it, when, when the word submission gets used, it doesn't mean probably what you think it means. And so I just encourage, you know, even women who are trying, at the end of the day, we want to know the truth. Because what did Jesus say? You can know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Go to any Bible study tool online and just look the word up and see what it means. I mean, it's in there and it's in there for a reason. Um, but again, I think we just have to all be careful not to use the world's translation of that word. I think that's where we usually get into messes. Yeah. And I don't think that's just with that word. That's just with any part of the Bible. Yeah, for sure. I mean, hence why there's so many religions. Okay, well, thank you for joining us and answering all of our questions and making us think like you always do. Hopefully this won't be the last time. Yeah, well, thanks for uh, having me on the podcast, and thanks for doing this. I think it really matters in uh, podcasts where people can get just good biblical information and and hearing from two people who have committed their lives to following Jesus I think is extremely helpful. So I'm I'm appreciative you guys are using your influence and your platform to help (laughs) other people. Hopefully so. Well, guys, we hope that you enjoyed the three-week series on the dreaded S-word and that you were blessed and learned something when it comes to submission and our roles and in Christ and in marriages. And uh, we hope that you enjoyed our guests and hopefully we'll have them back on in the future to discuss many other topics when it comes to Christianity and walking out this life with Christ.